Hi, friends. I'm Lauren. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Okay, But Did You Know? A podcast where we talk about the TV and media that we love with a friend who's never seen it before. Today we're recapping and chatting about Once Upon a Time, episode 115, Red-Handed. This episode aired on March 11th, 2012. It was written by Jane Espenson, and it was directed by Ron Underwood. This is one of the few where I will, it's the exception to the Jane Espenson rule of like Regina trauma or Rumpelstiltskin backstory because this episode kind of had neither. Um, but it does still have the very Espensonian writing of we're going to stop everything to talk about a sandwich. So there's that. Yeah, that was interesting. I would, you know, I'm okay with it. Also, grilled cheeses and Emma will just show up all the time now. So before we get into our chaos, and I, I do foresee this episode being mildly unhinged, uh, we're going to go through a synopsis for the episode. So in the Enchanted Forest, once a month when the moon is full, a wolf has been terrorizing the village where Granny and Red live. During this wolf's time, Snow White, now on the run from the queen, uses their chicken coop for shelter from the cold and from the wolf. Red wants to be with her true love, Peter, but fear of the wolf has Granny keeping her close at home. Snow and Red decide to find the wolf so that they can take it down, but discover it's actually a person who shifts into a wolf. When they deduce that it was Peter, Red ties him up so that he can't hurt anyone when he shifts. If only they'd known that Red was the wolf all along. And in Storybrooke, the investigation into what happened to Catherine is ramping up. What David is claiming and what the evidence is showing aren't adding up, and Emma needs new evidence. Meanwhile, Granny and Ruby get into a fight that ends in Ruby quitting the diner. She starts to work for Emma at the sheriff's station and finds evidence that Catherine isn't just missing, she's been killed. When Emma tests the box, she finds fingerprints that could lead her to the killer. And they match Mary Margaret. Thoughts? Feelings? Epiphanies? <laughs> for the first time, I have to say, I think, through this, mm -hmm. I didn't see it coming. Yeah, this one... Not some, I mean, the Mary, the Mary Margaret one also, I think, was very shocking. When people ask me what is, like, the most shocking plot twist on the show, I usually, t I usually tend to remind people that I, I don't remember anymore because so many of these, like, original plot things, like, when I'm watching, like, they were new 10 years ago, right? But I almost always do say Red being the wolf because I was fully on board with it being Peter the entire time. The whole time you think it's Peter. I even had a point when he was like, when she's like trying to explain to him that, oh, you're the wolf. He's like, no, no, that can't be. But then he pulls out chains. Yeah, I don't understand why he just had chains in his bag. Cause it, I was like, what? I, I don't remember if they said in, um because in, one of the Once Upon a Time novelizations that they gave us was uh was Red's Untold Tale. It was a, It was like a novel. Uh, that was like a red backstory, but it's set before this episode. So there's not a whole, there isn't as much wolf lore as I would have wanted. Um, I don't remember if they said what Peter does in the town. I don't know. He's always got like the bow and arrow set up too. So like, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if he knew. Yeah. I don't think he did. I don't think anyone knew. I think they all just assumed it was a giant wolf. I did. I did enjoy this. Um, mm. Of course, the first note is just, oh, Ruby. Because yeah. who doesn't love Ruby? It's a Ruby episode. And I was so mad because I thought I had it. Because at the beginning, I'm like, oh, he's got to be the wolf. Before, like, yeah. any of the wolf talk, like, fully started, I was like, he's the wolf. Mm-hmm. Well, they made the joke of he'll huff and he'll puff and he'll blow the house in. They made that joke. I just have in all caps, adventures with lemurs. You <laughs> <laughs> should be having adventures with lemurs. I literally love seeing how Snow and Red met. Like, that was actually yeah. really sweet. And I love mm -hmm. just seeing Jennifer Goodwin with eggs. Like, yeah. we have to continue eggs, apparently. Always with the eggs. Always with the eggs. Um, I'm just going to say one word. Frosty. <laughs> I mean, she she tried, I will say. Maybe wasn't Snow's best moment, you know. <laughs> She's already coming off of, you're stealing our eggs? No. Not a lot. She's just like... But yeah, so like, yeah, Frosty isn't really the best Snow could come up with. But to be fair, she came up with Margaret and then Mary again, so. Yeah, I actually I was like, is this a thing? Is there something I don't know about? Like, why was that? the, Or was that just something fun they did? I don't, th I mean, I'm sure they, they went with that, obviously, as the joke of that's why her name is Mary Margaret. It's somehow ingrained in her brain somewhere. Um, I couldn't figure out if Mary, Mar if the names Mary or Margaret are references to anything. I couldn't figure that out. I think it's. I think putting it here is just a little call out to her storybook name, if anything. I definitely knew like something was weird though when I was just writing down what the hell is happening. 
<laughs> like David's losing his memory. It's Red and Granny are at each other's throats, and and yeah. there's a wolf, and there th- and there's, there's lots wolf? of blood. <laughs> yeah, this is a bloody episode. It's a very bloody episode. You see a foot sticking out, and I'm like, okay. Nothing like pulling up the the thing from the well, and it's just full of blood, and which killed me because then Red's just like, "Oh, look at this, Snow! Mm-hmm. Look at this!" And I'm like, look "She's at just what? frozen." Um, I don't trust the doctor. Oh, Doctor Whale! Something he feels weird to me. He's always creepy. I don't like. I don't like him. That's fine. <laughs> you don't have to. I don't Good. either. <laughs> I, I did it twice. I put, I don't trust the doctor. A few lines down, I go, seriously, I don't like this doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and then our one scene with Regina. Yeah, she has her deus ex emo moment where she comes in because she's still his emergency contact. But to be fair, it would have switched to Catherine, but the, Catherine is indisposed at the moment. I just, I love that interaction of uh, when, like, She's just like, some of us haven't found her yet. And Emma's just like, there's a whole lot of main to search, Regina. I was like, well, you covered this room. I suggest you branch out. I wrote like, that down. <laughs> it's that That's fair. I was literally, I wrote that down. I just went, snap, Regina. Because, it, yeah, no, that makes sense. But at the same time, I'm like, Regina, calm down. She's with somebody she just found in the woods. Who yeah, also you still- think is like the main suspect. Exactly. I mean, there is also that aspect of Regina knows why he's the main suspect because she printed out the uh, the phone records, but still. Mm-hmm. Of course, my obligatory all caps, what's in the box? I, I sent Lauren the gift today after I watched it because I watched everything today. It's nice and fresh. And yeah. as I'm watching this scene, I'm just sending the gift of, from um, Seven of what's in the box? And we discovered we have very different brains. We did, well, because we realized, because when you made that reference, when August shows up with the typewriter box, um, I, I had said that it reminded me of, I thought you were referencing something. We were referencing two entirely different things, because you were referencing Seven, and I was, re- in my brain, what it was, was the Vogue interview that Gwendolyn Christie and John Boyega did with, like, the mystery box, where they had to, like, stick their hands in, like, to a box that they can't see, and, like, and figure out what's inside of it. It's just Gwendolyn Christie going, like, I've done a lot of things in my life that I, I've feel were insurmountable but none of them were as terrifying as discovering what's in the box (laughs) as she's like touching like a poor plushie (laughs) there were a lot of caps in this Mm. set Mm -hmm. of notes because well this twist got me i i I did it i didn't get it this time i'm that's gonna that's gonna eat me up a little bit. Mm. <laughs> well, this is why I told you to not to not look at anything that I'd written before you watch this one. I wanted this one to be fresh. Oh, uh, it was very it's very fresh. Um, because then I just wrote in all caps, "Excuse the fuck out of me," <laughs> <laughs> and then just, "Oh, she ate him." <laughs> she ate the only boyfriend she's ever had. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, but then. I- <laughs> Oh god. And then it's just all caps. This is everything's in all caps. I'm just yelling at this point because I'm sitting here watching this being like, what the fuck am I watching? She just went, What about lemurs? Emma was my lemur. Yeah. And then and then a fucking human heart. What the fuck? That's my notes. This episode was a lot. Like, especially coming off of the last episode where there was like no plot. This one's a lot on top of each other. But I'm just sitting here, just lemurs, 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 human heart, um, <laughs> Red's a werewolf, and she ate her boyfriend, and I'm just sitting here like, what is happening? <laughs> oh, and I, what's in the box? I do like the twist of Red Riding Hood being the big bad wolf. I think that's I a very cool twist it. on the story. That's such a cool twist on the story. That was so cool. I absolutely loved it. It made it more interesting, because if it, if it was just her boyfriend, I'm like, oh, that's that sucks. And it gave her red cloak a story. It did. Well, the red cloak, apparently, according to the wiki, um, it's one of the fun facts that I pulled out. There weren't too many fun facts for this one because a lot of our unhinged commentary is going to be stuff that came out of Lauren's brain and not off the internet. Um, The cloak having... (laughs) I mean, usually, but still... No, but like (laughs) some some of it has nothing to do with the episode. Let's be real here. The um, cloak having magical properties is an is uh, an adapted version of the tale known as the True History of Little Golden Hood by Charles Morell from 1888, where she wears a golden hood that repels wolves. Oh. So it's a little mishmash. Of, you also have a little bit of the Snow White and Rose Red with 
uh, with Snow White and Red being friends. And then you have Little Red Riding Hood being the wolf, but then also Little Golden Hood as well. I love that, actually. Yeah. But that was the chaos of my notes because the pacing was wonderful. Like, it mm-hmm. did. I didn't get bored because they yeah. – they, they did a really good job with this episode of going between Storybrook and I'm going to keep calling it fantasy land just to mess with you. No, no, that's fine. I mean, it's technically it's fairy tale land. I mean, the Enchanted Forest is technically an aspect or the Enchanted Forest is an area, not mm-hmm. the entire realm. The entire realm is basically fairy tale land because there are different like different kingdoms that aren't the Enchanted Forest mm-hmm. that you'll meet later. So do you ever think that you'd be explaining to me fairy tale land on a podcast? I mean, like I keep saying, this podcast just continues to exceed my highest expectations, so. Right, well, we get to talk about lemurs. We do get, fun fact about lemurs, though. <laughs> August claims he saw lemurs in Nepal, but they are only native to Madagascar. Was it a different type of lemur? No. There's no lemurs in Nepal? There is no breed of lemur that is native to Nepal. Oh, August, you didn't do the correct research. No, he didn't. He's been all over the place. Like, it, him being in Asia is a thing, but, like, my dude, unless you were in Madagascar, you are not seeing any lemurs. Well, I want to meet a lemur. I can see them at the zoo. Yeah, it's about the only place I can go to see a lemur. Right? Oh, but, uh, so that was a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's a, it's a, this is one of my favorite episodes. I always find it very funny that, like, this one has such a low dip, then such a high spike. Um, because it, it's like, this is always when every time I've ranked them, Dreamy always does not so great because there's no plot. And then Red Handed does really well because it's it's got a lot of plot, but also it's got Ruby. Um, we love Ruby. We do. So before I go into my notes, and I have a couple of story times here in addition to other stuff, um, go over a little bit of our IMDb because I've, I've been skipping Megan, Ori, and Beverly Elliott because I knew this was coming. I figured it made sense yeah. to do their IMDb's now. Um, so Megan Ori and Beverly Elliott are both Canadian actors. They're both locals from Vancouver. Um, Beverly Elliott, who plays Granny, Megan Ori, who plays uh, Red slash Ruby. Um, she would be most likely known, I think, to people uh, for being on the CBC- CBS series Intelligence. Um, she's done some guest spots here and there, like shows like Psych. Um, she also did a Hallmark series called Chesapeake Shores, which went for a couple of years. But Once Upon a Time, I think it's probably like her big, her biggest thing, I would say, that people know her from. Um, and Beverly Elliott uh, is, she's also a singer in addition to uh, being an actor. She's done a lot of character work here and there. She did an, uh, an episode of Smallville. The thing I think most people would probably know her from, because um, every time I watch this, I go, oh, hey, look, there's Granny. Uh, she's in the first Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants movie. I can't tell you last time I watched that. I think I was a teenager. I know. So I think I think Tibby is the name of the character that I'm thinking of, the one that do- makes the documentary or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she works in the, in like the Walmart store with her or whatever store it is. She's like the, yeah. uh, she's the other employee there. I think that's where people would know her from. But again, I think, uh, Once Upon a Time is probably where most people are knowing her from, but she's a phenomenal singer. I've like, she's put out like albums and stuff and she's very, very That's good. really cool. Yeah. Um, so. Oh boy. This episode. With this one comes, before I do my notes, this one comes with like, I, I put in our, uh, our script. Um, I call it a fandom story time, but it's more of a my life story time because this is not the inception of me memorizing scenes because I don't still have this memorized. I did try before, but like, it's, it's fine. Um, Granny's speech in the tavern scene, like her whole thing about like how Mm -hmm. she knows about the wolf and all that. Um, I did that speech as my monologue assignment in my intro to acting class, my freshman year of college. Oh, wow. How'd that Um, go? I, I got an A. I mean, I did a great Yay. job. Um, I wasn't sure which I had. I had three options at the time that I wasn't sure with, and I was like talking to my uh, professor because I went to go see him about something else. So I gave him that one. Um, my other option from Once Upon a Time was Regina's speech from the end of the pilot, where she says like to Emma, like no, like no, in the last decade while you've been whatever you've been doing, like that big epic speech. Um, and then the other one was a was a monologue from the movie Beaches. I, I don't really know why I chose that one. I don't know why. I think the granny one might have been the easiest and also gave me the most meat to work with. Yeah, and it's more of a story that doesn't feel like it's just once upon a time. Like, it really could have felt like something else. Yeah, exactly. So, um, he had me pick that one. I you know I, I drew, like, a bite mark scar on my arm. I was about to arm. ask. 
I did that. I showed it off to the to my classmates. He commended my ability to like just kind of like not rush through the moment, and make sure everyone could see the scar. Um, but that was my acting teacher. That like, he was a great guy. I love like I really loved that class. He was directing uh, our my school's musical that semester because my I, I went to a school that was like fairly a heavily theater school for this area. Mm-hmm. So they did four shows a season. So it was about two main stage shows a, a year. And so the fall, the semester that my, the fall semester of my freshman year was the musical. And it was the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Oh my. Which is a bizarre show. <laughs> but part of it involves um, audience participation. I don't know if that's always the case, but they had, they took four people from the audience to be participants in the Spelling Bee. Mm-hmm. And because I was in this class, I had to go see the show and I figured, you know, why not? I'll just I'll just sign up the questionnaire, whatever. Um, and I, my professor was the director and I do think he was there that night, which is why I got picked. Because um, I was not only in it, I was the person that was there, that was on stage the longest and I had more to do when I got kicked off. Like everyone else just got like a juice box and walked off. I was actually part of a musical number oh, as wow. an audience member. <laughs> yeah, when I was in college there, the, my school was not the best with drama but mm-hmm. we're in a, a military base and so yeah. um but the drama department was very exclusive and so my i remember the play the, the one thing they did while i was there which was very interesting i didn't i didn't finish my degree but here we are uh, <laughs> and it was actually really interesting and i really loved the show because i was given like free tickets to it or something mm-hmm. they did a dystopian julius caesar what is it with schools and doing stuff with Julius Caesar? I don't know, but it was dystopian and everybody was dressed like post-apocalyptic and there was like rubble. Mm. It was an interesting take. Okay. I'm not sure. I, I remember it being in, like, just interesting and being like, all yeah. right, that's a way to do that. But also it's at least it wasn't like one of the ones I don't like. I don't mind Julius Caesar. Yeah. But it's but Shakespeare, they went Shakespeare on it. I'm like, Okay. I think I only saw two of the four Shakespeare shows because Shakespeare was always one of one per season. Um, I saw The Tempest, which was partially gender bent just because I, I think they wanted the to Tempest. do it that way. And the way they did it, partially gender bent, was perfect. Um, Prospero was Prospera. It was, it was a, a mother daughter oh. story instead. I think it works a lot better that way, personally. Um, and then I also saw their production of Much Ado About Nothing, which to this day is one of my, it, it may be my favorite Shakespeare play. I've never really looked into that one. I have quite a few of them. I have like, antique books mm-hmm. i have to send pictures of it to you yeah um they're from like they're they're not antique antique they're more from like your late 1800s early 1900s which is still mm-hmm. pretty old antique yeah. wise but they're absolutely beautiful but i've got i think i've got like midsummer uh the tempest i'm pretty sure Ooh, oh i saw midsummer's night dream also so i saw three out of the four i love I midsummer's night dream i think that one's my favorite i hate romeo and juliet yeah i'm not a big fan I hate romeo and juliet you know, i just realized the one that i didn't see what was the entire gender bent Julius Caesar? Oh, that would be hilarious, though. That's the one I didn't see. Oh, that I think that funny. might have been my senior year, which is why. Ah, because I was only there half the year. All right, so let me go through some of my notes. I also wrote down I should be having adventures with lemurs. Um, again from that scene, which I love. Um, when Granny says to her, uh, "You <laughs> one thing, Liza, you dress like a drag queen during Fleet Week," and she goes, "And you dress like Norman Bates when he dresses like Norman Bates's mother." <laughs> That was an interesting interaction. That was quite the interaction. And I'm just like, I like looking at grannies because I love that in the evening they put out candles and put tablecloths and everything. And since we see at the at afterwards that conversation happens, um, we see Mary Margaret and Emma walking down the street. Because I wrote down, you live. why are you having this conversation in the street? You live in the same apartment. Like, just go yeah. into your house. But they had to go see Ruby, obviously. So this is all happening at the same time, basically, as, like, Miner's Day is happening. Because it's happening kind of, like, as David's being questioned at the sheriff's station. So this is all kind of happening at the same time. But I do like, like, the shift of, like, daytime to nighttime. They put tablecloths down. That's how you differentiate that it's the diner it at night. It gets fancy. It does get fancy. But on the topic of Granny's Diner. Yay. Because... <laughs> I put in our script because I found this on the wiki and I will put the link in the show notes um, to the, the, the Granny's Diner page. Um, Granny's menu. I see that I can do the You thing. can open it. If, you, if you'd if you like to look at it, you can. The prices are nuts in that they what? haven't changed since 1983. 
$2.79 for a lobster roll? That's the thing I was texting you about earlier. Because, okay, so I did look this up. Because this is the thing that I latch on to. Like, not even, like, the $1.39 for cocktails kind of thing. Like, $2.79 for a lobster roll? Like, yes, this is Maine. But, like, Granny is severely underselling her product. Because I looked this up. I found an article from the New York Times from 1985 that lists the price of a lobster roll from, like, this person was, like, doing a, um, like, a food tour of Maine. So in 1985, the price, the average price that they listed was $5.75, which by today's money would be about $15, roughly. Explain to me how this steak dinner is more expensive than a Bob's Burger burger. Yeah, I don't know. Well, because the prices haven't changed. Like, we say the technology adapts and changes and things. Granny's prices haven't changed in 28 years. I'm so sorry. You were on a tangent, but then I saw the price of the steak dinner, and I'm like, hold on a second. (laughs) You're fine. So, yeah, so $5.75 in in 1985, so 1983 roughly, would be about $15 by today's money. So I I did this in the most complicated way possible for some reason. So I took the price of a lobster roll today based off of the town that I go to in Maine. Because I found there, someone took a picture of their menu from last year, so it had la- it had last year's price. It just yeah. close enough. So it was they were they were selling a lobster roll for twenty three ninety five, which is a lobster roll and a bag of chips. My goodness, it's a really good sandwich though. Um, so I so subtract two dollars for the chips. So let's go with twenty one ninety five for the lobster roll. In nineteen eighty three's money would have been seven forty seven. So she is underselling by by at least five dollars. So. There's that. Is her price? She she could you know stand to charge a little bit more for her offerings. Just saying. I mean, the steak is five eighty nine. Exactly. I mean, it's the joke that lobster is so plentiful in Maine because it is, but it's still expensive because they want to make it expensive. But like, I did just look out of curiosity to the place that I go to in Maine because I found another photo of their menu from twenty twelve. In all fairness, though, the price of the lobster roll has only gone up five dollars in eleven years. Okay, that's that's not terrible when you no. think of inflation, like exactly on a, on a whole front. Yeah, because like their lobster roll plus a bag of chips in twenty twelve was sixteen ninety five, and it was twenty three ninety. It was like yeah, it was like twenty three ninety five. But how roughly. is the the Cobb salad and the grilled cheese more than a lobster roll? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll put this on our Instagram and everything for sure. Like you just, I'll make I'll make pretty graphs and everybody can there you see. Go. We'll fight. We'll make pretty grabs. The fried scallops are only three nineteen. How? Oh my god! I'm sitting here. I don't drink anymore. Uh, I'm sober, but I'm like wine for a dollar ninety nine. A cocktail is at one dollar and thirty nine cents. A cocktail. Exactly. Uh huh. Can you imagine? These prices are great. I want to go to Granny's. These prices are amazing. You can't find these prices anywhere ever. Dude, I'd be so hyped up on like coffee or something. 79 cents for a coffee. 69 Mm -hmm. cents for an iced tea. Like, what's the difference between a cola? Wait, what? You got soft drink, cola, soda. Those are all the three of the same things. I mean, they are. um, I also copied this from the wiki. So, I mean, this could just be them misreading things. I don't know. One of these days, there'll be a screenshot that I can just grab. Like, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be paying attention enough and just see, oh, I can see the menu well enough. We're going to stop this. Um, but, I mean, I can one could conceive that soft drink versus soda would be, like, a fountain beverage versus a bottle if they have those. Okay, fair. Even though there's the same price. As, and also, Colet, to be fair, at some point we do see someone get Granny's takeout with a glass bottle. So that is something that she oh, sells. Oh, okay. And glass bottle so, is going to cost a little bit more. But to be fair, they don't. there's no difference in price unless you just... I meant with the cola, if it's in a glass bottle, it's yeah. 99 cents. So that makes sense. I think in the exact situation, it was a root beer. So a dark soda. A dark soda. Yeah. A dark soda. But now that that's our tangent on Granny's Diner, because I love, Which, <laughs> I just love these prices. Well, we did the same thing with Bob's, but we get to see the entirety of the Bob's menu every time we watch almost because you see yeah. Teddy sitting there and you can see the menu behind Teddy. Yeah. And apparently I need I just I need our writers of shows to study the cost of things of literally anything <laughs> of literally anything. Oh my god. Cuz I mean, can you imagine this is this is a, such a cheap date. Oh, this right. Is the yeah, I mean, cheapest of cheap dates. Maybe this is why in the fan fiction community just everyone decided that we just go to Granny's all the time because it's far cheaper than anywhere else in town. <laughs> This is why Granny's is so packed. Oh, yeah. This is why Granny's like, we're getting a lot more customers. Yeah, because you're not charging anything. This is why everybody comes here to eat. Why go to get groceries 
when you can just eat at Granny's. Exactly. Why? I don't remember if it was in this episode or if it was in Dreamy. In the background of one of the episodes we see, because it could be either one, because I remember just being a nighttime scene at Granny's. There's an there's an extra. There's a cup. There's a an extra. There's a couple of extras that are these two like slightly older people that mm-hmm. we'll see them in close up. I think in season two possibly because they do kind of stay as background characters. Um, that they're meant to um be modeled after Carl and Ellie from Up. Well, Dad can make me cry. But they're together. It's fine. That's so cute. They're together. I have one problem with this menu. Where's the pie? Where's the pie? It could be on a special. There were some specials that I didn't copy. Okay. Because I'm sorry, you can't have grannies without pie. She does have pie. I'm no, I'm saying that. She has pie. It's like you actually see it in multiple scenes when they're fighting and like when they're talking at the end and everything. We Mm -hmm. see like the dishes with the pies constantly. And I'm like, and, and Henry asked for a slice of pie. That he does. Um, among other things. Among other things. <laughs> I'm just like, he ate at school. Don't don't get him food. Don't get the child things. I do love that they're locking the book up now at the, <laughs> at the sheriff. They've, they've now learned. Like, we're not wearing it underground. We're just going to keep it. Like, yes, she might know where it is, but at this point, it's clear she's not looking for it. Exactly. So they, they, can, they can lock it up, which is always good. Okay, so that's a crazy menu. Um, it's a great menu. That is hilarious. Oh, my goodness. I see something about the curse. Yes. So I did want to talk a little bit about like the granny and red's relationship is very indicative of this um, in that the curse is meant to rip people from their loved ones. Right. That's kind of the idea. You're you're ripped away from your happy endings. You're ripped away from that, which makes you happy. Yet granny and red are still smushed right up against each other. Mm hmm. I like that in their in still keeping with the curse kind of tears you apart. Their relationship is what's being torn apart. Like they're still together. Like unlike Snow and Charming, who cannot be together for a, for a multitude of reasons, or I guess my Margaret and David, Granny and Ruby are still together. But their relationship has just always been tumultuous, and you kind of see that in the pilot, especially when yeah. um, when Emma walks into the B and B and they're fighting, walking down the stairs because like you know Ruby's like I should have moved to Boston, and Granny's like I'm sorry, my heart attack uh, interfered with your way to sleep your way down the Eastern Seaboard. Like, yeah, I remember that. So, like, Dan- it's just, Granny does not hold back. No, she doesn't. I love her so much. Cause I, so I love Granny. I love Granny with the crossbow. Yes, I love her so Granny's much. Granny's just Granny like I got silver tipped. Take her down. Her silver tipped like, Granny. <laughs> She's just so. But like, also, I would just like to put this little thought in your mind. Um, I don't know. Granny still has some of her wolf senses left, right? Yes, she could smell her. She owns a hotel. Oh, Granny. (laughs) That poor woman and the things she's had to hear. Hear, smell, clean. (laughs) I mean, well, they don't get too many visitors, at least, but I'm sure people use the hotel. She's she's been hearing those Saturday, uh, those Saturday council meetings for at least 10 years. Oh, with like the hearing of a dog. Oh, poor Granny. Now you see where I'm going with this. <laughs> we say poor Granny, but we don't know what little Granny likes. Yeah, that's true. We don't. But um, so <laughs> you did. Yes, yeah, so that's my thing about the, <laughs> the relationships kind of being tumultuous because you'll you'll see that. And obviously, this is the curse breaking. Is it's weakening? Yeah. Their relationship is getting me- mended by the end. Then Red spends so much time with Emma, like close yeah. time with Emma, and then oh look, they end up making amends and it kind of works exactly. out exactly well i mean you said you're like why with the last episode emma's clearly busy so why doesn't she just hire someone she hires someone very briefly very briefly until you know she finds a human heart yeah it's it's a one day but you know what ruby did a good job although i will say of the things that ruby did um i did look this up out of idle curiosity um her advice to miss gender to throw a vanilla wafer at pongo and he'd go away is not good advice According to an article I found, um, due to the high fat content, content um, vanilla wafers or vanilla wafers, whichever kind you want, are not good for dogs. Good to know. Um, I don't think my dogs care. They'd still. Yeah. <laughs> They'll eat anything. I'm saying They'll due to anything. the high fat content, one should not just throw a dog a vanilla wafer. Putting that out there. All right, Pongo. It's just, it's, if that whole scene was very cute with Henry offering, like, the job, like, advice. And he's like, what about taking things to people on foot in a little basket and she's like i'm not so sure that's a real job 
He and he knew. He knew what he was doing. It was adorable. oh, of course. He's fully aware that Red is is that Ruby is Red Riding Hood, or at least he thinks she is, right? I just he's very much playing into it. It's all like it was really adorable points of the episode, but also there's these points of the episode that I'm just like, this is a very bloody episode. But yeah, at, did did they at any point in the relationship that relationship did they at any point verify that it was Catherine's heart, or did they just be like, oh, we found a heart in Mary Margaret's fingerprints well, are in the box. Emma says that she sent away like a sample of to to the lab, I guess to the hospital to test it. Mm-hmm. So they will find out. So it hasn't been verified yet. It hasn't been verified yet. However, a box still, a box with a human heart has Mary Margaret's fingerprints on it. That alone is cause to arrest her. Yes, it is. That's one time I will say that I think that is within the rights of the law. And like I'm curious if David is losing memory and everything's happening due to the coma or if it's a curse thing because he went the curse happened to him while he was essentially in a coma. So yeah. he's having these odd moments that his body and the curse are not getting along. Like it's interesting trying to come up with that. No, it is. Like I wrote down the random fugue state situation that kind of makes sense. He wasn't fully aware of the curse until recently, so like his mind is confused with multiple lives inside of it. The kind of going into like a state where like you kind of end up having no memories, like one or the other, like kind of the way he was at the beginning when he came out of the coma, does come back around. Not so much in the same kind of fugue state thing where things happen and you don't remember them. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't like, and then he comes back into consciousness. That doesn't happen as often, but like. This is kind of, yeah, it is kind of an effect of his mind did not fully take on the curse the way everyone else's did. The mm. memories were kind of thrust upon him or forced into him in a way that, and I just heard the way that I said that, in a way, in a way that, uh, that isn't, it wasn't as organic for everybody else, I guess. Yeah, because so he was his, so close to death. Yeah, mm. so like his, his real memories are almost kind of fighting with his fake memories and it's kind of creating this lack of situation because I think he says when Mary Margaret walks into him, like I have to find her or something like yeah, that. Yeah. That's what he said. I have to find her. I'm looking for her or something like that. Yeah. So like, it's almost like charming is trying to, I think it's, I think that's charming trying to find snow, but he's not taking over consciousness. So it is this weird kind of in between thing. It works very yeah. well for the plot that he can do things and walk around and be fine and not know what he did. So that works for him having an eight minute conversation or however long the conversation was with Catherine and not remember mm-hmm. it at all. Um, but it's not, it not, it's not that it doesn't get resolved. They do. We, I think we do go over that again. I don't remember. Oh, we, oh, I think in the next episode. Oh, cool. I think so. I yeah. I procrastinate this time. No, it's in the next one. Now that I'm thinking about it, I know exactly what scene I'm thinking of. Um, I mean, the next, the next one, one's the next, heart too. <laughs> next one's heart of darkness. Next one is, uh, the next one, next one's intense. Well, for me, it's weird seeing that title because I saw that. And I was like, all right, Heart of Darkness is next. But I'm just like, the last time I heard Heart of Darkness was high school, academic decathlon. I had to read that book about the Belgian Congo. Yeah, I can promise you it is it's nothing not like to that. do with the book. <laughs> nothing to do with that book. That book was not, nope. Mm-mm. No, it wasn't necessarily a good time for anybody, I don't think. Like, I think it's historically important, but at the same time, nope, I'm good. Don't want to reread yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I did love, I said, Charmings have a knack for falling down because they find him on the ground when Ruby, you know, can, like, I think she either she can hear him or she can smell him. I don't remember which one they went with that time. I think um, she said here on that one. And I was I like, think that one was here? here. He's on the ground. She can hear him breathing, I guess. I, I'm not sure. But he's in kind of a similar, like, position like Snow was in the in the coffin, kind of like with his hands on his chest. Oh, asleep. I didn't notice that. It's, it's very, it's a very similar, like, staging, uh, which I always very much appreciate. Um, and be- next to that, I I put Emma when uh, Emma called Ruby to go look at the toll bridge to find something. But Emma, don't yell at Ruby. She thrives on positive reinforcement. No. <laughs> I really hate when we get to have these discussions for only one reason. And it's like, okay, I'm ready to go watch the next one. But if I go and like immediately go prepare for the next episode and watch the next episode of the show, it won't be fresh enough. And I'll be like, wait a minute, what had happened? Yeah. So like not being able to binge. It's actually hard right now because no, I want I know. to know what happens next. No, I know. Like, watching it like this, I, I said it before, I think watching it one week at a time, we're almost to the point where I have experienced watching it one episode at a time. I think we're two episodes left before I will have, you know, will have caught up to where I had started watching as a child. Or as, as a teenager, I should say. Because um, I think you get more of the world building this way. You get that more excitement of it. Like, with so much of the binge watching culture that we have now, 
Mm-hmm. It's there are some shows that are just not designed for it. And I do stand by Once Upon a Time is not a show that is designed for binging, even mm-hmm. though it is exciting to get to know every like the next thing that's going on. But it so much they explained so much. Like I I was thinking about this before. I feel like now that we're this far into the first season, we're like really into the show. Yeah. I feel like we're, like, we're really into the show. Like, when we got into Bob's Burgers, like, we got through season one so quickly. So by the time we yeah. got into season two, I felt like we were really into it. But, like, now I feel like we're really, like, we're getting past kind of, like, that expository, we're explaining how things are working thing. But they've explained so much, I would say, over the last 14, 15 episodes. Oh, yeah. Like, we're still getting to know characters in this. You can yeah, watch, exactly. Like, I know with Bob's, do you still get a character from time to time that you're meeting? Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, this is another introductory of a new character, but like you've already mm-hmm. been introduced to so many regular characters and Bob's. You're already starting to have like relationships. We're in season three. You're already having yeah. like relationships like with these characters of like, oh my God, I, I love this character. I love that they yeah. do. You're you're starting to like other characters more and dislike others more. Like you're really, it, you're getting a relationship with the characters now. Yeah. Because we're in three seasons in. Yeah. And I feel like at this point, like, at least with our main cast, and, like, there will be a few more people that you need to add on, kind of, like, what I call the five-man band. Mm-hmm. It's really not, their their real five-man band isn't really, I would say, solidified until the beginning of season three, I would say. Because we have one more character to introduce, and stuff has to happen, and then they can all kind of come together. And then you kind of stop having that, okay, this episode's going to focus on this main character, this one episode's going to focus on that main character. The plot is going to kind of be a little more cohesive and less splitting Okay. people's times because the five-man band kind of all stays together for a while but i i I say with with once upon a time not being designed for binging because it it, it effectively was and it was written for a time Mm -hmm. where it was appointment viewing you would sit at your on your couch or in your room on sundays at eight o'clock yeah um i remember i remember living like that (laughs) like that's just what that's what she did and i mean in my case i would like tape it to make sure that I, if i missed the first few minutes because we, we had a tivo and one on one of our tvs are you old enough to remember when you actually had to tape things yes yes i am okay okay because i'm sitting here and i'm like i remember having my vcr set up to record like disney movies or something i like i remember having that and so like oh because then you had to be like beg like do we have a vhs in the house that no mm-hmm. one cares if it's recorded over yeah, um, which was the task of finding something that you could record over. Because if yeah. you recorded over something of your parents, run. <laughs> this is going to be very indicative of my personality. I think you'll appreciate this. Oh, fun! We had a VHS uh-huh. of ta- of the taping of the original airing of the nineteen ninety nine version, well, Wonderful World of Disney version of Annie. <gasps> the one, the one with Victor Garber, uh, Dr. McDonald, yes! Kathy Bates. I love I, to 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 this day. That's my favorite version of, of same, Annie. same. The Carol Burnett one is not without its charms. However, that one's still the best. I watched that tape, that taped recording, mm-hmm. once a day for I love Annie months, maybe for months, maybe. Um, which neuro spicy brain, we get it to the point where I had the commercial. I had the commercials memorized. That was always the fun part of like trying to record uh, to to fast forward perfectly mm-hmm. in the commercials if you felt like doing it because yeah not all of us had remotes, um, no. but no that is the best Annie I I wholeheartedly agree oh, like one hundred percent it is for us with VHS we always thought it was funny because we went without cable a lot I am a PBS child like we had mm-hmm. eventually like Disney Nickelodeon Cartoon Network and all that but I grew up on like Arthur and all the PBS shows because. Mm-hmm. Even if we didn't have cable at the time, the antenna picked up PBS. <laughs> there you go. But we also had this the situation of if we didn't feel like doing like chores on a Saturday or something, but our parents were like, you need to go do this. We mm-hmm. would be those kids and be like, can we watch one movie before we do this? And they, of mm-hmm. course, would be like, all right, fine. Watch a movie as soon as y'all, you're done with your movie. Because who wants to yeah. argue with three children? You have to do your chores. Yeah. Tell me how the three of us always chose The Sound of Music. You picked the longest movie you possibly could. It was two VHSs because it's yeah. so long. It had an intermission. <laughs> it had an intermission. I have watched The Sound of Music probably the most times out of any other movie I've ever seen. I love that musical. We would watch The Sound of Music constantly. Um, but I'm okay with that. I mean, Julie yeah. Andrews. like, Of course. It's classic. She raised me. Yeah. 
So should we go into some stats after? I don't even. Oh yeah. I don't even remember what we were talking about before we got into VHSs. I was talking about appointment viewing, but that's not the point. The point is, no, the show isn't designed to be binged because it was written for a time when binging wasn't a thing. That's the point I was making. Now let's do stats. <laughs> no, we're just showing our age. We do that a lot. Because, like, my daughter, when she was born, she still did the phone thing where she has, like, you, you do the, you pretend mm-hmm. you have a phone with your pinky and your thumb. Yeah. My son he doesn't do that, is does he? of the generation that holds their fa- their hand up to their face to pretend it's a phone. Oh, God. And it broke my heart because Aww. I was like, my daughter didn't do that. She still did the phone thing. Because my grandmother has always had an actual, like, landline phone phone. as well mm-hmm. as a flip phone. She just, yeah. like, in the last year got a smartphone for the first time oh, ever. Wow. And so my my daughter was always around that, so she actually knew to do the, like the fingers. Nope, mm-hmm. my three year old does the hand palm. So you'll you'll appre- before we do stats, you'll appreciate. This. Okay. Um, and we've said we'll do stats four times now. It's fine. I know. Um, so my birthday was we took a break. Not that there was a break for posting, but there was a break for recording because it was my birthday and it was Halloween and we wanted to you know give ourselves some time. Um, it was my twenty eighth birthday, which is the Yay. birthday that that Emma turns but, uh, at the beginning of the show. The number of people on my Once Upon a Time account that asked me, did a child show up asking you to be the savior and <laughs> break a curse <laughs> is hilarious. And at one point I just posted like, I posted the picture with my birthday cake, like no kid showed up at my door asking me to break a curse or if he could have juice. I think I'm good. Okay. I didn't see anything like that, but I've been avoiding your <laughs> TikTok. I know. With love. I just I cannot handle another possible spoiler. I cannot. The thing that almost got spoiled for you, too, is just like... Why is that the one that's popped up? Because it's the worst. Because it's, it's like the the juiciest spoiler because the... People on my live when I mentioned it, they were we, we were jokingly coming up with new ways to fill in the gap, and it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, what was it he said? Henry's father is, and then I scrolled. Yeah, the 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 scene the scene in question of a TikTok video that Katie saw was, uh, I believe it's from Manhattan. I'm pretty sure that's the episode it's from. So that's two. I know it was charming, and I think two. two I think it's from two, snow. two, two four. It's from two fourteen. I think it's yeah. It's a scene of charming and snow, or Mary Margaret David in in their apartment, and it's David saying, "So Rumpelstiltskin is Henry's," and then she scrolled away. <laughs> yes, I scrolled away very quickly. I was like, "No, no, no, no! Don't want to see is. that." I closed TikTok and messaged Good. you immediately. <laughs> because Katie really wants to know the end of that sentence. I do, but I was like, and like, I'm sitting there for a minute after I closed it. And I was like, I could have found out, but I didn't want to. I was like, nope, I need this to be like when it happens. Frankly, if you had heard the end of that sentence, it would have created more questions than answers. And that would have been a huge problem because then you would just be sitting there going, I can't tell you. Exactly. What was your favorite thing that your uh, your TikTokers came up with that won't that, spoil anything or make it weird? This won't, this won't spoil anything. The Rumpelstiltskin is Henry's spin instructor. <laughs> Which, while, while seeming like an extreme non sequitur, is actually really hilarious. <laughs> that is so funny. Spin instructor. Oh, I can't wait for them to hear this, even though it's going to be a while. So, for the fifth time, shall we do some statistics? <laughs> Yes, please. Okay. So I don't think it's a surprise that I liked this episode. No, I don't think so. It, it was red. It was bloody. It was mysterious. And it was a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. So I did really like this episode, which is, of course, not a surprise. Yeah. So for character and personal, I gave it a, t- a nine. Okay. And, and plot, I gave ten because finally yeah. I didn't. I didn't predict it. It actually yeah. surprised me. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing for me. Because yeah. usually I'm like, oh, this is what's happened. And like I've picked yeah. up on it in the first so much of the episode. So I gave this a 28. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I gave this one a 10 for personal. It's got Ruby. It's that that's all it needs is it's got Ruby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're good. Um, I gave it a nine for plot. I I think I don't really know. Actually, I don't even know why I don't I didn't give it a 10. I don't know. Um I think possibly because we're st- we're still like there's still so much more about the Catherine Nolan thing that I'm like I feel like more could have been done in this episode because so much of I feel like the Sturbrook arc was about the character dynamic which is fine even though character yeah. I gave an eight for whatever reason again maybe maybe August or Doctor Whale Doctor Whale was also bothering me I really I don't like him you never will <laughs> I can promise he you, gave, that. you like, never will. he he gave murdery vibes he's hitting on you know ruby in a really weird way and the whole time he's like talking with david i'm just like did you kill Catherine? 
I love that you said he gives murdery vibes. <gasps> Am I right about something else? <laughs> I love that you made that connection. I'm not going to say anything, but I love that you made that connection. So I still, even though I did not predict Ruby being the wolf, I've predicted something, apparently. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so yes. I, gave this one a, I gave this one a 27. Like, this is solid high score episode. I think this is... Like, I mean, not including my 30s, um, I think this is the second highest rated episode. Sorry, it's the third. The second highest rated episode is still nice. uh, still Snowfalls at 28. So this is still number three, like overall, which is funny coming off of 17 from last week. Yeah. Hey, Leroy so, saved that one for me. That that he did. I'm I'm aware. Leroy is your favorite. And I, I stand by what I've been saying is you really got to pick a main character because you're going to set you're setting yourself up for so much disappointment. I'm good at that. Leroy, he's he's a great side character, but he is unfortunately only ever going to be a side character. And like, which means as the show goes on, we kind of see him less and less. What you did say that I have a few more characters to be introduced to. So oh, you've got plenty I'm of new characters to be introduced to. My my theories, and I've told my moderators this, I have a theory that there are two characters that, I, that I get introduced in season two. Mm-hmm. And with your track record, I think I know which one you're going to pick. Okay. I want to sure hope made- I'm wrong, because I think if I'm wrong, you'll be happier. But... I mean, you never know. Depends I, on my yeah. mood. <laughs> That's true. It does depend on your mood. Like... I feel like the character that I think you're going to latch on to just due to your track record, I think he will do some things that will keep you from latching on to him. Also, he shows up way later in the season. Oh, um, true. Okay. So there's that. I think the other one, I think, who comes in at the beginning of season four, um, I think, uh, beginning of season four, beginning, <laughs> beginning of se- he's in episode 204 is where he gets introduced. That's why I said season four. Okay. Um, I think that's going to, um, I, I, I think he's going to be one for you to latch on to, I think, because I find him highly entertaining. He does bother me midway through the show, but then he got back around. He's fine. But like, that's even like Rumpelstiltskin. While he annoys me a little bit, you cannot uh-huh. stand him. But I find redeeming qualities in Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. So I probably won't later. I mean, no, yeah. I, th- I think when we get to the parts where I'm like, dude, like you're going to have the same feelings that I do. Oh, no. I can't wait. But oh, my God. It's going to be great. But I do have one more thing to close us out before we end the episode. Because I think you'll appreciate this. I've been clocking this because this is something that the fandom kind of started doing. And I didn't necessarily remember where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whatever, whatever religion we're working with in the Enchanted Forest is polytheistic because this episode yes, is, the sec- is the second instance where someone has said, oh, gods or oh, my gods instead of singular God. Uh, the first time we heard it was with Maurice saying like something about dear gods when Rumpelstiltskin showed up. And now twice in this episode, Red said it as they were hunting and looking for things. And then Peter said it again. When he was talking, when she was talking to him about him being the wolf, so apparently mm-hmm. the enchanted forest is polytheistic because everyone says I gods, and I th- I think it's highly entertaining, which makes sense. Like if you're gonna go, even though there are a lot of biblical references, yeah, it's a fantasy series. Why make it Christianity or any regular real or any real world religion? For me, like I really, really, really love when fantasies go more the polytheistic route, especially when they create their own gods and don't just pull from like a pantheon. Mm-hmm. I say that I love my Norse mythology books, being Norse pagan, mm-hmm. but yeah. there's something about when I'm reading like a fantasy book and they completely create whole new gods that are kind of like inspired by maybe a certain pantheon, but they make them yeah. their own. It's so enjoyable. Sadly, I can uh, promise you they did not make up their own pantheon. Uh, they are pulling predominantly from Greek and Roman mythology. I had a feeling it'd be Greek and Roman, knowing, like, yeah. especially with Midas and everything else, it would be yeah. more Greek and Roman. I'm still excited. I mean, because I grew up loving Greek mm-hmm. and like, like most of us did. <laughs> yeah. Greek was it. A lot, a lot of uh, the LGBTQ community of our, of our generation, uh, we all had Greek mythology phases, Percy Jackson phases. All of us. And the thing is, I think I like I was really into Greek mythology even before my Percy Jackson phase. Oh, me too. And and that just solidified it. And so that I was one of the ones that got upset with his next series when he went Roman. I was like, no, I mm-hmm. like the Greek better. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the Heroes Olympus series. I did like the um the Cain Chronicles. I like the Egyptian mythology. I still need to read those. They're I like them. So my problem is I want to reread them. Um, yeah. but also he has a Norse one now. That he does. I need to read it. I still have it. I own one. That's true. I will fully admit, though, my my Greek mythology phase as a kid 100% came out of the Disney movie Hercules. 
No, that's fair. I think mine did too. My obsession with Megara in that I wasn't sure whether I wanted her oh. to be my friend or something like. No, I wanted her. I knew. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't know. Um, I'm I, so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I made my father listen to I Won't Say I'm In Love on repeat so much as a child. I would sing that so loudly. That poor man having to listen to that song over and over and over again. Again, neuro spicy brain. Very clearly something going on there. I mean, my, my parents had to listen to the uh, sound of music a million times. So It's true. I did have my, uh, my my culmination of that obsession as a child um, through a GalaxyCon one-on-one chat. I met Susan Egan, who voiced Megara. It's your goal to make me cry tonight? I spent most of the time talking to her about Steven Universe, ironically. <laughs> Because it was oh it, it was it was the Hercules it was a Hercules event they were doing it was with her and the guy who played Hercules whose name I've forgotten which he's I I, I probably should know his name but probably um, they have topics of conversation to kind of get the things going if people seem nervous and like you know she kind of mentioned like the conventions are not, like the online conventions are nice because you know you have um, this connection that like with the mm-hmm. with the pandemic we couldn't go to conventions and she went to a lot of conventions back then and I said like yeah I mentioned. That I dressed as Steven Universe, as Katie can see, twice. Um, because I knew she was on it because she was Rose Quartz. And so I met and she's like, she's like, yay, Steven. And then I showed her I have a piece of uh, Rose Quartz. Spoiler alert for Steven Universe, if you haven't seen yeah. it. Rose Quartz I was about to is ask also- which one's your favorite. <laughs> Rose Quartz is also Pink Diamond, just saying. Yep. Thank goodness I've watched all of that with my daughter. <laughs> just saying for everybody else. Um, cause that's kind of a major spoiler. So I, pull, oh, yeah. I have a piece of, uh, pink diamond art on um, my mirror, but I also have a pink diamond, tiny Funko on my keys. Oh, I love that. I showed that to her and she went, Oh, so we're, you weren't one of the ones that was yelling at me on Twitter about ruining the character. And I'm like, no, I, I thought it was a really cool reveal. And she's like, yeah. I don't really know what to say in those instances. I didn't write the story. I'm just the one reading the lines. She was super nice. That was one where, I like, I, I felt like I, I had a hard time keeping my composure because I've been a fan of her since I was nine years old. I just want to tell you the one movie I probably watched as much as you watched Hercules, though, if you watched it that much. I did. What movie? We tortured our parents with The Emperor's New Groove. Me too. Constantly. My dad still complains about it to this day. He was like, I have that movie still stuck in my head. And I just say, you're welcome. Because you could have a worse movie stuck in your head. Uh, how should I do it? Oh, I know. I'll turn him into a flea. A harmless little flea. <laughs> and then I'll put that flea in a box. And I'll put that box inside of another box. And then I'll mail that box to myself. And when it arrives, <laughs> I'll smash it with a hammer. It's brilliant, 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 I tell you. Genius, I say. <laughs> or to save my postage, I'll just poison him with this. Take it, Kronko. Feel the power. Oh, I can feel it. Our moment of triumph approaches. No! <laughs> it's dinner time thank you all for listening join us next time when we discuss bob's burgers season three episode five an indecent thanksgiving proposal and episode six the deepening don't forget to like rate and follow the podcast wherever you listen so you can be notified every time we publish a new episode and follow us at obdyk underscore pod on instagram and tiktok this has been an episode of okay but did you know a TV and media podcast. It was hosted by Lauren and Katie and edited by Lauren.